Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Earn Fun Average Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Prophet, coming to you from Wichita, Kansas. And with me, as always, I have Johnny Bowen from the New Orleans Baby Cakes Memorial Museum Podcast Communication Center in downtown Wheeler, Mississippi. And today we have a special guest. We have Dennis Bastian from the Jackson Rockabillies. How are you, Dennis? You know, I'm just doing dandy. Perfect. Well, we'll get into a little bit here in just a moment about uh, what you do with the Rockabillies. But one of the first things we like to do is uh, describe what hats we have. So can you tell everybody, describe to everybody one of your favorite hats? Well, one of my favorite caps. A man told me a long time ago, a hat had a bill all the way around it. (laughs) A baseball cap only has a bill in front. So that's not a correction. That's just what I was told long ago. <laughs> Players wear baseball caps, not hats. Okay. But uh, I'm being a smart aleck. <laughs> I guess one of my favorites is uh, we were in Charleston, West Virginia, nine years with the Cubs first and then the Cincinnati Reds. We were the first team in professional sports to wear royal blue and Kelly green together. We did that with our team in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And uh, whenever the Hartford Whalers chose that color, they ordered one of our caps and they patched their logo on it as a sample. So we were the first to use that. So uh, it's actually was the cap worn by the manager we are naming next Tuesday in his second year in professional baseball. Oh, wow. I think that's another clue. (laughs) (laughs) And by the time this episode airs, they will have named their uh, manager at that point. Um, Mr. Bowen, what hat do you have today? I'm wearing for now part of the Johnny Bowen baseball family, my Jackson Rockabillies. And per the article from Mr. Paul Caputo, the color, official color, and this can correct me if I'm wrong, home plate white Rockabillies dad hat. And the trim is uh, no hitter navy, perfect game purple, <laughs> a complete game copper. There we go. Beautiful colors, great design. Love the logos. Absolutely love them. But the cap I'm holding up is the is the Charleston Wheelers cap from, oh, from one wow. of those years. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can see those colors. You said the Hartford Whalers. I definitely can see those colors. Really, really sharp looking hat. Unfortunately, I don't have a Rockabilly's hat yet. I definitely need to get one. I am wearing a new uh, Oklahoma City Dodgers. It's the 405 hat. So it has the state of Oklahoma on it, and then it has 405, which is uh, one of the area codes for Oklahoma. My wife is from uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, so she's from the 405. It's uh, they're kind of the Dodger blue and then has a red bill to it and then the big 405 in white numbers and then the state of Oklahoma is in red. So that's what I'm wearing. I just picked that up. I was in Oklahoma City for work uh, a week or so ago, and I picked that up at the stadium. I stopped by there before. I was like, I'm in the area. Let me go ahead and run by the stadium, picked up that hat. So that's what I'm wearing today. Very sure. I like that a lot. I still like the 89ers. Yeah, I do too. I love the 89ers and has kind of that same color scheme that the 89ers do. But yeah, I really love the 89ers as well. And then they were the, what, the Red Hawks there for a little while as well uh, before they went to the Oklahoma City Dodgers. Dennis, I'm about, I'd say two hours uh, north of Oklahoma City, so not too far. So I usually try to get down to the Brickdown Ballpark in Oklahoma City a couple of times a year. Really nice ballpark. Really enjoy it down there. Yeah, I remember when they were double A in the Texas League, and now they're obviously triple A. And uh, I remember the old ballpark. Been to the old one, not the new one. Okay. Yeah. Very, very nice ballpark. I enjoy, like I said, getting down there whenever I can. Uh, Dennis, we did want to ask a little bit. So, can you tell everybody uh, what you do for the Rockabillies? There is no description. 
everything <laughs> from painting to building to cleaning toilets to vacuuming to selling all the promotional nights, uh, outfield wall signings, grandstand signings, season tickets, program ads, uh, ramrodding all of the events. I've been in baseball now since the Carter administration. Oh, and wow. There, there is no title. There is no, uh, like I just, we just hired three staffers and we told them there's no calendar. There's no clock. You can throw away your watch because baseball is timeless and you start at daylight and you go till dark or way after dark. And we come back at three in the morning, put the tarps down. If, they, if a rain starts coming down that you didn't predict or that wasn't predicted. So you do a little bit of everything. There is no titles. And uh, well, we have titles, but still everybody does everything. I love it. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, so for the Jackson Rockabillies, they uh, have not played as of yet. Their first season is coming this summer, correct? Yes, sir. And so the, tell us a little bit about the league they're in um, and just kind of the process of bringing this team to Jackson. It's not being able to be done short. I will tell you that. I was in minor league baseball 27 years. I uh, was a high school coach after I got out of minor league baseball, a college athletic director and uh, baseball coach. was going to put a team in the prospect league after I got the itch to operate a team again in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Well, I called around and got a lease pretty much agreed to, called around a couple teams in the league, and they said, wait a minute, you're way overqualified. You were the minor league baseball executive of the year, blah, 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 a lot of awards. Would you have an interest in being our commissioner? So six years and two weeks ago, I became commissioner of the Prospect League. It had been the Central Illinois Collegiate League since 1963, and when they put a team in Terre Haute, Indiana, they had to change the name. We've had, I think, 168 players play in our league that play in the big leagues. Our MVP award is the Mike Schmidt Award, for example. We've got Ben Zobras, for example, was our Hall of Fame nominee last year. He played in the league. A lot of big names have. We need to find people that are alive, obviously, to induct into the Hall of Fame. But when we took over, there were eight teams in the league. And my primary mission was to, I was told, to expand. So we went from eight to 18 teams in the league. When Major League Baseball contracted 42 teams after the 19th season, you know, going into the COVID year, uh, I reached out to all the cities near our footprint that had been contracted by Major League Baseball. And we brought in Clinton, Iowa and Burlington, Iowa, that had been in the Midwest League for over 100 years each. We dealt with Charleston, West Virginia, which I put that franchise there in 1987. They were contracted. And then Jackson was the only double-A team in all professional baseball that was dropped. So I met with the mayor, the city manager, all the people here about coming into the Prospect League. The previous operators uh, had some difficulties and uh, they were not going to be coming back with any type of team. So my wife and I decided we love it here and let's just do this on our own. So we approached the league. Uh, so far last year, we began operating in January of 2021. But because we didn't play in 2021, it was okay with no conflict of interest for me to maintain being the commissioner. And my wife is the deputy commissioner. She ran the league. And I was just uh, went out and did the the fancy stuff, I guess. But uh, she's phenomenal. I am so blessed. But beginning for the 2023 season. We will have the 17th team in the Prospect League, and Marion, Illinois, which will be the Southern Illinois team, will be the 18th. So we took over the only double-A team contracted. We have what I'm going to say is the the Yankee Stadium of summer collegiate baseball. Most summer collegiate baseball franchises play in a, either they share with a small college, or they have to play in a community field. Ours is amazing. Uh, like I said, it was double-A baseball met all those requirements, and we've since redone the whole place. 
We've repainted the entire place, the merchandise room, the concessions, the clubhouse, the locker rooms have all redone. The playing surface is major league quality. So uh, we've got a great thing here. We've been met with open arms. We ran a name the team contest with over a thousand entries. And Johnny was one that submitted a name. And uh, the first Jackson 500 people that submitted a unique name got sent a Jackson $2 bill, which is redeemable for Jackson $5 during the 2023 season in our merchandise room, which is the jukebox for people who don't know what a rockabilly is. The original million dollar quartet, which was Elvis Presley before he made it big, Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis and Carl Perkins, who wrote Blue Suede Shoes and a lot of Elvis's early, early hits, would practice in the back of barns here and old garages and old gas stations and kind of t- came up with the phrase rockabilly. It was a combination of rock and roll, country and hillbilly music. That's where rockabilly came from. So this is where the World Rockabilly's Museum is at. And it was only a natural. Yeah, it's such a cool name and such a great logo. So it's like uh, Billy Goat and it has uh, some of your logo has he has like a guitar that he's playing, um, if I'm not mistaken. Tell us a little bit just more about the um, kind of the branding and everything and kind of the process of when that name was chosen. We ran a name the team contest last spring. And obviously we had, like I said, like 993 entries. I think 63 people entered the name Rockabilly. A lot of names were entered that we like, but they're already in use somewhere else and were not copyrightable or registrationable or trademarkable. And we narrowed it to the Jackson 5. 63 people entered Rockabillies, but one lady, an elderly lady, entered Rockabilly Goats. And we mm-hmm. thought, you know what? We could do some fun with that. And obviously, our kids club is a kids club. Everybody knows what a baby goat is called as a kid. Uh, our adopted family program, the head lady, is a, a nanny goat. There's a lot we can do with the name. We made it fun. Many games this coming summer, we're going to have baby goats out here for kids to pet and to uh, you know have the picture taken with and pick up. Again, we made it fun. And on the logo, which people can't see if this is audio only, but you guys can, that's the Johnny Cash smirk. That was intentional. Oh. And we just made our first payment on uh, our new mascot today, in fact, overnighted a check to Toronto, Ontario, one of the biggest mascot companies in the world. So uh, he is JR, and JR is abbreviation for Jackson Rockabillies. Kids call him Junior. Again, the Rockabilly goat kind of set off something. Our daughter is, does goat yoga, for example, and she said <laughs> that goats are a hot thing right now. They're a big, there's a lot, you know, everybody, every part of the country has got a place that makes goat's milk soap and goat's milk lotion and goat's milk this and that. And, uh, you know, I've never milked a goat. I milked a cow, but I've never milked a goat. Apparently it's a hot thing and we hope it doesn't die down. The branding was done. I I do logos. I uh, kind of did a rough sketch on it and then had a uh, graphic designer down in Florida who had done several of the minor league logos do the finished product for us. And we have four other logos. We have uh, different variations of that. We have a, which is just the Rockabillies with a guitar. We have a, a blue suede shoes logo because occasionally we're going to have an alternate cap and jersey and we'll be the blue suedes on occasion. Oh, I wow. save that for year number two. You know, again, it's uh, this is it's, it's fun. And if it's not fun, people aren't going to come out. Yes, I love it. I know Johnny and I talked about it before, just the logo itself and the color scheme is really good on there. And I love the names that I didn't realize the specific names of the colors on your logos that you'd mentioned, but those are great uh, names for those uh, colors that you have on the logo. 
Well, again, uh, Dennis, thank you again for being on with us tonight. And I wanted uh, to share, you know, uh, just a moment about your hospitality and, and generosity. Friday, uh, January 13th, myself, Melinda Boland, uh, she's known on this podcast, Dennis, as the CEO of Boland Enterprises, showed up as two vagabonds at the stadium and the hospitality. Dennis gave us a tour and of the, their offices amazing i've shared some of those pictures on facebook i sent some to eric and, and his brother joe and, and their friend michael our friend michael mills there in wichita direct you know on text you know some of the, the cool pictures of the offices and everything and so jackson is our closest team to where we live at and so I, I was delighted when this came to be uh with having baseball back there because you're right that is a fantastic stadium uh, we went in 2021 when they were hosting the Winnipeg Gold Eyes and had a wonderful experience. We, Before we started recording, I shared we've been there four times now, and only one of those four visits was an actual baseball game <laughs> going on. And every time, just wonderful hospitality, as I've shared, love the logos, love the nickname, great colors, like Eric just said. The team store is fantastic. And I shared something with Eric earlier today. I like the fact I went back and looked at the sportslogos.net article uh, from this summer. I like you haven't released all the merchandise with the logos yet with the blue suede shoes. And it's a great assortment there. And plus, you guys have a great online presence with an online store and website and Twitter and with Facebook and, and such. So I wanted to ask you. With the prospect league, what type of players will folks be be seeing in the prospect league? If folks are new to this type of collegiate baseball, uh, what what will that look like for the fans of Jackson and these other cities? Well, Johnny and Eric, if you don't mind, I want to give a brief description of what the prospect league is. Sure, thank uh, you. A lot of people, a lot of people don't know. There's about seventy five of these summer collegiate leagues in America. There's a small one, for example, in, in Memphis. It only plays on high school fields. Uh, most every major city has a small one, but there's three that kind of are head and shoulders above everybody else, and that's ourselves, the Northwoods League, and then the Cape Cod slash Major League Baseball Draft League. We televise every game internationally, every game, and uh, that sets us apart. We operate under NCAA rules, and all of our players, well, our players, are you're allowed to have, Four players from one NCA institution, whether it be D1, D2, or D3, on any summer collegiate roster. If you have an assistant coach or a coach from one of those schools, you cannot have any players from that school because that constitutes a summer workout or a summer practice. The way teams get players is basically the relationship that each operator has with college coaches around America. Now, being the former commissioner, I have a little bit of an advantage over some because I dealt with college coaches whenever their player was ejected and had to call him, and I say, listen, I'm, getting, I'm the tattletale. So, uh, but I've known coaches all over the Southeast, all over the Midwest, and I've been very blessed. So, for example, it's difficult to ask a player to come from Oregon to Jackson, Tennessee. That's a long drive. Parents don't want to afford to play for them, I mean, to pay for them. But uh, we have, for example, four players coming from Memphis, University of Memphis. We have three players coming from Southwest Tennessee Community College. We have players coming from Houston Christian who, by the way, their head coach is Lance Berkman. We have uh, players coming from Arkansas State. We have players coming from Southern Miss. We have players coming from Carson Newman. We have players coming from Volunteer State. 
We have players coming from Murray State. We have players coming from, you know, all over the Southeast and the lower Midwest primarily. I hate to ask a player to drive from upper New York or something, but there's enough teams in our league, for example, you're talking 18 teams times a 32-man roster. That's right close to 600 players. Uh, we have pitch count rules, and as a result, they cannot throw pitches more than 85. And then if they do, there's a four-day guaranteed day of rest. So we have to start the season with 14 or so you know, pitchers. Now, we have players coming from University of Tennessee. And University of Tennessee, as you well know, was the number one team in the country all last year. Right. Side note, we had a fall baseball game in November here. Nobody typically goes to a, a no, you know, meaningless fall college baseball game. Parents, girlfriends, that's about it. We had 7,000 people here for Tennessee against Memphis on a Sunday wow. afternoon in November. Unbelievable. It was a sea of orange. My point is, is that we have player, two players coming from University of Tennessee. So let's just say they go to the College World Series this year. They're preseason number, I think, four in the country. Well, then those players can't report until the World Series is over. So we're allowed to sign what we call temporary players until those guys show up. And usually those are your local junior college players, maybe some D3 guys. And they understand that. But in the meantime, if somebody gets hurt on your team or don't come because they got hurt in April or May, you know, they might they might stick around. And it has happens quite a bit. Last year, remember, we had players from Mississippi State, LSU, Ole Miss, University of Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, you name it. But our number one reliever was from Freed Hardman, a little college about 25 miles from here. There's really not a huge difference between your top-notch NAIA players or a high-level D2 guy than there is a uh, you know a non-superstar from a D1 school. So it's extremely competitive. And the difference people will see here in Jackson is that when they had double-A baseball here, they were first for four years a Cubs team. Then they were a Seattle Mariners team for eight years, and most recently, an Arizona Diamondbacks team. So they had two or three players, as Eric and you guys know, that they knew would make the big leagues, barring injury. The rest of them basically were roster fillers. As Marge Schott once told me, I guess we got to have those guys to play catch with the ones we know are going to make it up. You know, again, those are roster fillers. They did not want to go out in the community. They did not want to get involved in town. They didn't like to go to Little League clinics and all that type of thing. This is just the opposite. Our guys will run through a wall. They are too told to do so by their college coach. They're going out and making public appearances. They'll be in parades. They'll be going up in the stands signing autographs. Whenever we have a win after a home game, we're doing a victory lap around the warning track. The entire team, the manager and the two coaches, will lead that victory lap with anybody out of the stands that wants to come do it. Whenever somebody comes and throws out a first pitch on Toyota night or Kellogg's night or something, typically they walk off the field. Uh-uh, uh-uh. They're going to get high-fived all the way by our players or – if they can handle them, they may pick them up like they scored a winning touchdown and carry them off the field. So <laughs> we're going to do things that are fun because if people aren't having fun, they're not going to come. I love that. And Eric, did- to finish your question, caps are always number one. <laughs> caps and T-shirts, polos and hoodies and and pullovers or you know, a little bit higher price items. I know people that collect hat, caps and have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. You know, I always tell them, if you're going to get it, I want you to wear it. It's not going to help us sitting on a shelf somewhere. And so that's your kind of your highest sellers is what you were saying there? It's caps. Yes, sir. 
Perfect. All right. Well, Dennis, one of the segments we do is the profit and loss. And the profit is something that you've gained or earned. Now, you said you've been involved with baseball for quite some time. So whether that's just being in baseball in general or now being with the Rockabillies, any gain or profit you can think of? Most of it is satisfaction. You know, when you go out and you put together a big promotional night and God blesses us with beautiful weather and you pack the ballpark and people are having fun and kids are screaming and you're doing cap night, giveaway night. I brought in the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders one year when they were just starting and got big. I mean, when you pack a ballpark, it's just satisfaction. I mean, it's just it everything comes together. So from a profit standpoint, I'm not talking about the money. I'm just talking about seeing thousands of people you know, lining up and having a good time at a ballpark, that makes it all worthwhile. Yes, definitely. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. On the reverse side, the loss is uh, whether you had a team that, you know, lost maybe a championship series, maybe you had a favorite player growing up, anything like that, that maybe got traded, any loss you can think of? 1988, Charleston, West Virginia. We broke the all-time record for consecutive rainout games. We would go, <laughs> we would have a four-game homestand, every game rained out, Go on the road for four games. It continued to rain. Come back. It still hadn't stopped. Four more games rained out. We had 11 games rained out consecutively. And that was not only a huge ego loss, a fan loss, and a monetary loss, but I would say that was probably the the largest impact loss if you put everything together in one package that that we've experienced in baseball. Wow. I can't even imagine how many that, yeah. Well, Dennis, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, tell us a little bit. So when does the Prospect League start? When do the Rockabilly season start? We open on May 31, uh, open on the road for two days. The home openers Friday night, June the 2nd. Again, we'll do amazing thing on opening night. And uh, we're doing a commemorative item on opening night. This area has went without its own team now for four years, which has turned out to be a little bit of a blessing for us. Uh, as Johnny said, he came to a game whenever uh, the year after COVID, people were not allowed to cross, the, even in 2021, were not allowed to cross the Canadian border. So the Canadian team played some of its games here in Jackson in the American Association, which is a independent professional league. That was the connection with the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, which is the nickname in Canada for walleyes, the fish. That was just another note about here. We, we've we been met with open arms. We're very proud of that fact. We have a great relationship with the city and the officials here. So, you know, I think fans are pretty proud of what we're trying to accomplish. And, uh, you know, again, we cannot ever rest on our, laurel, our laurels because everything we do is for the fan and our partners and the advertisers and sponsors and yeah, again, right now, we, uh, and I don't know if people up here will be listening to this, but one little shout out is we're still trying to gain uh, adopted families. All the players will live with a family or an elderly couple or an elderly person during our season. So, uh, Johnny, I sure wish that you were up here a whole bunch closer because we'd give you about four or yeah. five guys. <laughs> Just the whole, the whole infield. Come on to the bowling hall, right? <laughs> you got it. Well, Dennis, can you share uh, again the website um, that people can go on to find the schedule and get the merchandise and then what the social media handles are for the Rockabillies? The website is rockabilliesbaseball.com, and that's rockabillies with a Y, not an I-E. So we're technically grammatically incorrect, but uh, it's rockabilliesbaseball.com. And you know what? The social media handles, right off the top of my head, I don't know. Uh, I'm a dinosaur. I have graduated from Neanderthal to Cro-Magnum, however. So uh, 
Uh, I know a little bit about it. If they go to our website, it's it, it's listed on there also. There we go. And I'll put it in the notes in the, when we have this uploaded so everybody can go find them. So make sure you go out, follow the Rockabillies online, follow the social media, get a cap, get a t-shirt, whatever merchandise you can. And if you're in the area, make sure you stop by Jackson and uh, catch a game there. Dennis, just thank you so much for joining us. And uh, make sure you also follow us. We're Earn Fun Average on Instagram and Twitter. Average is AVG. Dennis, just thank you so much for joining us. It's been a blast. Well, thank you all. Uh, I listened to Jack Buck and Harry Carey growing up every night on the radio broadcast of the St. Louis Cardinals. And for 47 years, Jack Buck, for you younger people out there, that's Joe Buck's dad, ended every broadcast for 47 years with what I will leave you with. Thanks for your time, this time, till next time. Oh, that's great. I love it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> there we go. And that Mr. Bowen, would you take us out with our sign out as well? America, lower your standards. Average is what these guys do best. 